Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're talking draft theories, baby. We are just under a week away from the 2023 NFL Draft. And with that, we got some takes on what we think is going to happen. Certain trades that we could see happening. What team strategies we think are coming into place. What's a smokescreen? What's real? All that and so much more. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys with just under a week away from the 2023 NFL Draft. Last time you guys heard our voices was the Monday episode, the Mock Draft Monday episode, where we dropped a three-rounder. So in case you guys missed that. It did it to him. Go back and listen to it because that Mock Draft absolutely did it to him. (laughs) Today on the podcast, we are once again going to do it to them. And with it just being a week away from draft night or under a week, depending on when you were listening to this, Connor and I wanted to dig into some of our favorite draft theories of what we believe could happen on draft night. Now, some of these, you know, maybe 90% believe this, 70% believe this, 50% believe this, but it is things that we are going to bring to the table, whether it's trades picks situations how many players are going where which players are going where that we really like the more that we've thought about what could actually happen a week from now connor how we doing my friend i'm doing well man this is that time of year where i'm a little caffeinated late afternoon a little sneak in some iced coffee late afternoon because it's i mean i'm trying to get through as many day three players as i can yeah i know you've been doing the same uh we're trying to keep the content rolling as well and it's it's so fun this time of year you can kind of feel it coming that the draft is going to be here it's going to go by real quick and you know trevor for me and you we've been with this draft class for about 11 months so this is it's it's pretty insane to put a bow on this entire thing but it's really really exciting and today we're going to spend a lot of time on the theater of the draft the theories the this is what this one team could be angling for. It's going to get mm-hmm. a little bit of galaxy brain at times. Of course. This is quietly one of the greatest things about the NFL draft and why so many people are tuned into all three days of it. Yeah, we were looking at our schedule. The more we thought about it with just a, a week or less than a week until draft night, we thought about what you guys would want to hear, what you guys would want to talk about. And honestly, it's the same stuff that we want to talk about that we want to hear what's gonna happen we're all on our twitter timelines blue check or not just refreshing the page waiting for that next rumor waiting for that next report of what could be especially in the first round because that's going to dictate a lot of what we see for the rest of the draft and so we wanted to dig into all of this we we wanted to have those conversations that we would be doing amongst friends or amongst the timeline but here with you guys on the podcast. So we've each got three theories that we're going to bring to this episode. We would love to hear you guys' theories as well. So make sure after you listen to this podcast, comment on the YouTube channel, let us know what you think is going to happen in the upcoming NFL draft. But we'll each have three. So we got six at least, but I'm going to let you guys know as we go through this process, conversations are probably going to lead into conversations and it might get closer to, uh, you know, eight or nine theories that we end up unpacking here on this show. So Connor, I will let you lead it off. Or do you want me to, which one I I, I I will actually give you the dealer's choice here on this one. I want you to lead it off because what kind of sparked this idea was a tweet from you and it it generated a lot of attention. Um, And it didn't generate a lot of the attention where it was like, 
this guy's a dumbass. It generated a lot of attention of like, <laughs> well, a little you know, bit of that. And always you're going to get a little bit of that. Of course it generated <laughs> attention of, Oh wait, this guy might be onto something. So I kind of want to, before we get into some new ones, rehash for those that miss yours on Twitter and, and have a little back and forth on it. Okay, so here's my first theory. And the people who follow me on Twitter already saw this one and they'll just kind of hear me unpack it a little bit more than it was in you know 280 characters, however, however many characters we get on Twitter now. All of the news with the Houston Texans recently has been... Maybe they don't draft a quarterback at two. And, and and when we first hear that report, we go, okay, it's full of shit. Like, there's, there's no way this is going to happen. The Houston Texans have the number two overall pick. They're a team that has been void of a franchise quarterback basically since they came into the league. They've had little spurts where they've had some quarterback belief. Obviously, they had a nice little playoff run there in the 2010s. But, man. It was never really on the on the arm or the shoulder of a franchise quarterback. They've been waiting for that. You're sitting here at number two overall. You've got your pick of a pretty good quarterback class or at least a good quarterback class to invest in. Of course, they got to go with the quarterback, right? Well, maybe not. If Nick Casario truly thinks that he's not leaving, like, like the Leo quote from Wolf of Wall Street, which I read earlier this week, that he might have that mentality a little bit. Maybe he can wait until next year. Maybe he can wait until next year's quarterback class. So that's why a lot of rumors have come up that if they don't love any quarterback outside of Bryce Young, who we believe is going number one overall, then maybe they really are going with Will Anderson at number two. And the more I started to think about it, the more I was like, man, I I guess that can make sense. And then I had something flip in my mind. And here's where my draft theory begins. I wonder... If the Houston Texans are leaking out information, because it seems like this information is coming from those who cover the Texans closely, might know people in the building. I wonder if they're strategically releasing a little bit of information saying, hey, you know what? Maybe we don't love the quarterbacks in this class. Maybe we really are going to take an edge rusher. And the people that they are talking to in the media are spreading that out there that that might happen. Well, that might heavily affect one team that's a little bit further down in the order and number four overall. And that's their division foe, the Indianapolis Colts, who we also know are in on this quarterback class. And that sets up this potential train of thought. Maybe they're fooling the Colts a little bit here into thinking they don't have to move up. Because if the Colts are going to sit at number four and they assume that Bryce Young is going to go number one overall, but if they think that Will Anderson is going to go two, And if they think that then the Arizona Cardinals might not have as good of a case to trade that pick at number three, maybe Arizona sticks at number three. Maybe they say, hey, Jalen Carter passed all of our tests. We think this guy is a number one overall caliber player. We're sticking right here and we're taking Jalen Carter. Maybe they love Devon Witherspoon. Maybe they love Tyree Wilson, right? And they do. If Houston can convince the Colts to believe that there's no quarterback going at two and there's no quarterback going at three, then Indy doesn't have to move. But in reality, what Houston might be doing is they might be picking, they might be thinking quarterback all along. And so they might pick a quarterback at two. And if Indy's out of the conversation to get up to number three, guess what? Other teams are still in the conversation to maybe get up to three. Maybe the Atlanta Falcons, maybe the Seattle Seahawks, maybe the Las Vegas Raiders, maybe the Tennessee Titans all move up to number three to do what? Probably go get a quarterback. Then all of a sudden, Houston's master plan may have worked. 
And Indianapolis might be sitting there at number four with only one of these big four quarterbacks on the board. And it might be one that they don't even love. So, Connor, that is my somewhat galaxy brain draft theory of what might be the reason why we are all of a sudden hearing that Houston might not be in on quarterback at number two. I don't think you're crazy. I definitely think there is something to them being out in front of the Colts. The Colts holding firm this long that they haven't swapped with Arizona already to position themselves into getting one of the top three quarterbacks for sure because they are probably feeling like, well, maybe we have a line of communication with Arizona that before they do any deal, they'll call us to you know do right by us and not match it because it would be different, but give us another chance as well. And, and we don't think they're going to get that deal, so we're comfortable. And Houston giving them a little bit more false comfort is not crazy at all. I would love to know the conversations going on with Houston right now because I see three uh, different groups of power on different timelines. And that is, it could be concerning, it could also be intriguing. D'Amico Ryans, year one. I could see D'Amico, we've talked about this, D'Amico coming in and being like, it's my first year here. I'm going to win by my defense because that's what I know. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care about these quarterbacks after Bryce Young. So I'm going to take Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson and get pass rush that anchors, that cogs, that's the cog to my defense because that's what I had in San Francisco and that's why we were so successful. Then you have Nick Casario, Trevor, where Nick Casario might not like these quarterbacks after Bryce Young either, but there's also a chance that he doesn't get the opportunity to pick one in 2024. And then you have an owner that's watched the team trot out the likes of Davis Mills and whoever, and I don't know the Texans' jersey sales, ticket revenue, general interest. I'm not an expert in that area, but I do know NFL owners are obsessed with the idea of superstar franchise quarterbacks because they put butts in seats, they win you football games, or you're told that that's how you win football games. And of course, they sell you jerseys as well. It's the face of the franchise. So Mm -hmm. I bet it's hard to convince an owner there to not take a quarterback. So that's kind of my two cents on top of your theory of why I can believe every angle of Houston right now. The only thing I'm still, should I transition here? Or did you add yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to completely like get off of the, your or get away from your the rest of your the only theory. thing the only thing that I would say is I mentioned the Titans there as a team trading up to number three. And the Titans are obviously in the same division as the Houston Texans as well. So, you know, whether or not that really helps them because it might make the Titans a really good team again immediately if they could get the quarterback that they want at number three. I will say I don't really think the Titans would do that because I think when you look at the, the Titans situation and why Houston probably wouldn't have to worry about that. Rand Carthens, a first year GM with the Titans. What you think that he's going to want to give up multiple premium picks to move from 11 to three on his first year of the job. Probably not. Right. And swinging the sword pretty early. And I also don't, to. don't think the Cardinals want to trade out of the top 10. I don't think they want to jump. I don't think they want to go back that far. So you're still in realm for the Seahawks at five, the Falcons at eight, the Raiders at seven, the Lions at six. I know I just went out of order and that's probably driving people crazy, but the the Eagles at three, if they want to jump up and get a premier defender, you know, so there are still teams that can trade up to number three that aren't Indianapolis or aren't Tennessee. Um, this still would make sense for this theory to possibly pull off to where Houston can have their cake and eat it too. But yeah, go ahead. Use this as a, uh, as a springboard onto, onto your next point. I find it fascinating how it's been the week or the week 
two weeks of Will Levis everywhere, all the way up to two. When it felt like we were not that far away from where do I put Will Levis in the top 10 of my mock draft? I find Mm -hmm. that we get closer to the draft, more hype is building on Will Levis. And I just have to ask myself, and it's not really necessarily us, but, but maybe, are we all being played? Because the name that has died down in the conversation, ironically, is Anthony Richardson, who his stock could not have been hotter after the NFL Combine. I don't even see Anthony Richardson anymore in the conversation to be taken at two, in the conversation to be taken at four for -hmm. the Colts. I mean, I was going through just the odds today, which only means so much. You look at... Vegas ain't in the business of... of, of Losing money, though. So it's spot on. Here's the thing. The Texans right now, Will Levis is the favorite at plus 250. Number two overall, not 12. Will Levis is the favorite right now. Then you get down to the third overall pick. Stroud is the favorite because they're bu- they're buying clearly that the top yeah. two teams are passing on Stroud and that somebody is trading into three. By the way, that's not good value for that many dominoes needing to fall, folks. That's bad betting. Four is where it gets interesting with the Colts. Richardson, if I just had to ask you off the top of your head, Trevor, what do you think Anthony Richardson's odds to go number four overall are right now? I would think that they would be decently high. What did you say Stroud's odds were at three? Stroud's odds at three are plus 125, which is, that's that's a big favorite. Whoa. I know. Okay, I would think that Richardson's like, I don't know, plus three hundred something Me like too. that to go to go to go number four. Me too. He's plus four twenty five. He's not even in like the in the view yeah. right now. Wow. So, Richardson cooling off like this doesn't make any sense. Nothing has gone wrong for him throughout this entire draft process. He's a really good quarterback prospect with elite tools. I think all of this Levis hype, Levis going at two, which the Texans, you you never can be shocked, but Mm -hmm. Levis going at two or four is so ingrained in everyone's brains over these last 10 to 14 days that I feel like it's both sides just wanting Anthony Richardson completely out of the picture right now. I still think Richardson is going in the top five, despite it looking like per Vegas that he's not. And I think it's extremely tactical that all the buzz about him has completely died over the last seven to 10 days. I think Richardson is fascinating because I bet that there is more favor for Richardson at the top of the pyramid than there is at the bottom parts of the pyramid. And when I say that, I mean, who has the ultimate say on who a team drafts in the first round? The owners do. The owner. We, yes. We've seen that, unfortunately, many times before where the owners will come in and be like, no, we're drafting this guy because he's going to change our franchise because he could put butts in the seats. I mean, draft day, the movie kind of plays on that a little bit with the owner being like, yeah, you're drafting, the, you're trading up to go make a splash to draft the quarterback at the top. And, you know, it's obviously a movie, but those kinds of things happen. If the owner wants something done, guess whose money pays the checks? Theirs. And so whatever they want is going to happen. Next in the pecking order for most teams are the general managers. And then below that, I would say 
is the coaching staff along with the scouting staff who works together. Now the scouting staff obviously works with the general managers as well. I'm not saying that they're totally separate, but what I'm saying is I could see an owner and the owners in general loving Anthony Richardson. How could you not? Right. He is this like perfectly sculpted quarterback, an absolute dual threat, Marvel athletic ability like we've never seen before. I mean, he is going to be the most drafted, most used player in Madden over the next half decade. Right. I mean, he is he is just a walking, talking, powerful brand for your organization. So I could see why the owners love him. Front office people, yeah, they're trying to make the owners happy. So I can see them obviously like Richardson as well, but I could also hear them listening to the coaching staff and the scouting staff. And honestly, I bet scouts and coaches don't love Richardson because of his tape last year. Now, I'm not saying that that's a unanimous 100% thing, but I, I feel like there's a lot more coaches and scouts that are way more hesitant on Anthony Richardson than say general managers and owners are about drafting him with a premium pick, even just within the top 10. So I wonder if I, I do wonder, I was actually asked that question this morning and I was really thinking about it. Is the Levis stuff smoke or are we learning more about what the NFL has probably thought all along about where Levis should go versus where Richardson should go? Cause you mentioned it. There's Anthony Richardson's done nothing wrong since the season end. But if you ask a lot of football people and you say, go back to his tape, a lot of people would tell you extremely inconsistent, not ready. You know, he's he is he is a project quarterback. And I don't know how far I would go to believe all that. I still think he showed tremendous improvement throughout the season. I think his accuracy was kind of overblown. Uh, I, I do think that he got a lot better as the year went on in his first year as a starter. But I wonder that, too. Part of my draft theory is and my kind of counter to that in this conversation is. Is the Levis stuff smoke or was the Richardson stuff maybe more media hype, hype. ownership yep. hype the than it was actually what coaches and decision makers and general managers are going to do? I don't know. Neither do I. It's it's fascinating to me, and we'll have our answer shortly. Um, I just look at trajectories, age. Tra like we sit here, right? And I'm I'm very guilty of this. We constantly spew the the Ballard traits based quarterback pick, and that's why we've always fallen on Will Levis. I, it might have been in October the first time we ever did that whole bit, and then you look at it's it and go, bit. "It's not, not a bit. bit. It's very real." Yeah, yeah, it's very. If real. you're gonna do that, you're gonna do the traits based pick. You don't do it for the guy with the best traits. Yeah. No. Right. Right. It feels like one foot in and one foot out. It does. I, I don't know. I struggle with that one. So that's where my mind's been. I just find it. I can't believe how much all the talk has cooled on Richardson and how hot it's gotten on Levis. And I guess I shouldn't be shocked. It's gotten hot on Levis because we've, we've been on this roller coaster since October, maybe mm. that Levis could easily go in the top three of the draft, top four of the draft. But man, Levis over Stroud is um, I'm trying to find a comparison for it. And I'm really struggling to find that comparison. Oh, you think about it, but it would be, yeah, it would be fascinating if here we are a week from now, it ends up being Bryce Young and then Will Levis. Um, SEC, baby, it just means more. So my uh, my second draft theory that I have, 
This is a question that we ask every year, Connor. And this is something that, you know, we've done mailbags in the past, you know, whether it was on this podcast or previous podcasts that we've done around this time of year, this question always gets asked. What team do you think is going to trade back into the first round and for whom? And I think it's a great question because I feel like we do see this all the time, right? Trading back up into the first round gets you the extra fifth year option on a lot of players' contracts when you're a first rounder. So that's very advantageous, gives you more control over the early parts of their career, which is nice. And of course, it just hopefully gets you a better player because you're moving up. I think the Atlanta Falcons are the team that's going to move back up into the first round. And I'll tell you why. I've got a handful of reasons. They're currently picking number eight overall. At number eight, I think Will Anderson's off the board. I think Jalen Carter's off the board. I think there's also a chance that Tyree Wilson's off the board, although you guys know me at this point listening to this podcast. I think that that would be a way overdrafted Tyree Wilson, but it just seems like the NFL is higher on him than I am. Maybe they draft a Nolan Smith at number eight overall, but that also feels a little bit rich for Nolan Smith in his current state and even the projections that you would have to make for him to be worthy of a top 10 overall pick. But Connor, the corner class, star-studded and ripe at number eight overall. You could have the choice of potentially Devon Witherspoon, a Christian Gonzalez, a Deontay Banks, a Joey Porter Jr. You could even, if let's say Christian Gonzalez and, and, and Devon Witherspoon are off the board by eight, you can even trade back a little bit and still get a Joey Porter Jr., a Deontay Banks, and get a couple of extra draft picks, okay? The corner spot seems like the spot at number eight overall if you're going to go with a defensive player. But we know that they also need pass rush pretty badly. Terry Fontenot has been the general manager for the Atlanta Falcons since the 2021 draft cycle. So he's had two drafts under his belt. He came from the New Orleans uh, front office, which is known for being pretty aggressive sometimes when it comes to trading up and going to get your guy. In each of the last two seasons, two drafts, he has traded within the second round. In 2021, he traded back from pick 35 to pick 40 in the second round. And last year, he traded up from pick 43 to pick 38. So he's dipped his toe a little bit in the water in the early parts of day two of moving around a little bit. He scratched that itch. This year, I think he takes it to another level. I think that they're, they will move from number 44 back up into the first round. And a spot that I look at is the Baltimore Ravens at 22. Because if the Ravens are on the clock at 22 and they don't have a corner, let's say all four of those good corners are off the board. Let's say they don't believe in Emmanuel Forbes because of the weight. Let's say they're kind of stuck at 22. That's a spot where you go, okay, the the Ravens don't have a lot of draft picks. Right now they've only got five draft picks in this year's draft. Atlanta can offer a pick this year, a pick next year, maybe even a later pick, move up from 44, go up to 22. Maybe you can still even get yourself a Nolan Smith, a a Will McDonald, a Felix Anudike Uzama, uh, somebody like that, some sort of pass rusher along the defensive line that you would love to make that splash. So that is my answer to that question of what team I think could trade back up into the first round. I think it's the Atlanta Falcons for that reason. I really like that. And I think they are at the point where we've kind of seen them put their foot on the gas a little bit more this offseason, right? I know they have the lingering question under center, but the 
effort to improve defensively has been astronomical where it feels like this team kind of smells blood in the water in the division. Sorry, yes. Trevor. Yes. And... No. <laughs> Just kidding. And you, you don't need to apologize. <laughs> they smell a little blood in the water in the division. And they've been there a couple of years now, the regime. And, and I'm with you. I think the timelines, time, timelines are a theme of drafts and the Atlanta Falcons are showing a little bit more urgency than we're used to seeing. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that's my second one. What do you got? What's your second? My second one, this took the most research out of all of them. And this probably won't be received well, but I'm just putting it out there because I know this player has a lot of fans and I get it. He's a good player. There's oh, no here we it. go. Let's go. Let's get into it. There is not much of a pattern for Zay Flowers being around one wide receiver mm. in draft history. The closest you can find would be Jahan Dotson last year, who was taller. Jahan Dotson's about 5'11". Zay's about 5'9". And why I'm calling this pattern, take away Dotson for a second. No sub-5... And Dotson's not sub-5'10", by the way, so it doesn't really matter. No sub-5'10 wide receiver, Trevor, that's drafted in the first round over the last, I think, about almost 10 years, over 10 years, didn't run a 4'3". I know it's... I know it's a little cheeky. I understand it's a little nitpicky, but there is a consistent theme. You go through them, right? Jalen Waddle, sub 5'10". Jalen Waddle runs in the four threes in his sleep. Everybody knows that. You go down to, uh, I think Ruggs was a little taller, but I want to double check on Ruggs. Yeah, Ruggs yeah. was five. Ruggs was 5'11". And yeah, ran Ruggs four, was four, a little, two, little bigger. And he ran 4'27". Four, four, yeah. So it just didn't matter. Let's see. What did Rieger run? He's kind of an interesting one. Did he run? He ran slower than people thought. Did he run in like the four fours? He's, he's 5'11, 206. So he is 25 pounds heavier than Zay Flowers. Yeah. So yeah. then you go down to, you keep like, you keep going down through this exercise. Hollywood Brown, speedster. And another guy, he was pretty small. Hollywood Brown was in, was 5'9. But everybody knew he was like legit four three speed. Mm-hmm. Corey Coleman four and his threes. game is different. You know, like very his different. Game is very different. John Ross four three four twos. Corey Coleman four threes. Uh, no. Tavon Austin sub four four speed. He was a four threes guy. Right. I like it. It's just not a common profile that we ever see go in the first round. Mm-hmm. And I can't find somebody right now. His over under in the odds is 22 and a half that thinks say flowers isn't a lock to go in the first round. And maybe he is a product of a wide receiver class that really needs that next guy. And he's not yeah. a bad player. I'm not saying Zay flowers is a bad player. It is not common for a guy that's 182 pounds, five, nine, and didn't run in the four threes to be a first rounder with all of the track record we have of over the last decade. I mean, this is a this is one of the theories that I was kind of thinking of to bring to this podcast is, buddy, I don't know if we get more than one wide receiver in the first round. It is far from a sure thing. I, I We are trained to believe that there's going to be a lot of wide receivers that go in the first round. Yeah, I'm in big 20, of it. In 2020, there were six. In 2021, there were five. In 2022, there were six. Okay? So we got six, five, and six. It's just a modern-day NFL. You're drafting pass catchers because that's where you're trying to reload every single season. In those classes, though, some stronger than others, 
there's been legit options to choose from. There's not in this year's class. You listen to a lot of the people who have talked to scouts or, you know, the anonymous executives and and people like that. And they go, yeah, I mean, I'd be cool with drafting these wide receivers in the third round. Now it's probably a lower talent class overall. So how much does that bump them up? Right. Because we've talked, I think we talked about that when we did the three round mock, or at least we talked about it earlier. You can only have 10 first round grades in a class. Guess what? 32 players, well, actually, in this case, 31, have to still yeah, get picked in the first round. But yeah, you got to pick players. 30, 31 players still have to go in the first round, even if you only have 10 first round grades, even if you got a Bill Belichick type of board, you got like seven total players. What was that part of draft day? What Was it the Jaguars? What team what? was out of players that like pick six? <laughs> So I think the wide receiver class is going to be a victim of this. And I really don't know if we're going to get more than one in there. And I think that at max, we're getting three. I, I to, to think that we're going to get five, because we all we all debate the five, right? At least the four. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba. It's Quentin Johnson. It's Zay Flowers. It's Jordan Addison. And then some people put Josh Downs in that conversation. I obviously do as my wide receiver four, but other people don't. Other Some people think it's a big four. Some people think it's a big five. I don't even think we're getting all of those guys in, regardless of if you think it's a four or five. There is, there is certainly a world that we live in where we get one, and it's JSN. He's the only one that I have heard about as we have talked to people within the league that has enough unanimous... Yeah, I'd draft him in the first round. Yeah. That would actually make me feel good about it. So that's another. I mean, to, just to piggyback off of yours, yeah. maybe Zay not being there. I, I don't know. I don't know if any of them go in the first round other than JSN. I, if I had to pick one, I'm torn between Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison because Addison won the Balikin off. He is such a polished player. Mm-hmm. And you look at QJ and He's got size that teams like. He's very good after the catch at his size. But the fact that he's not even considered a guy expected to go in the top 20 shows you the deficiencies in his game at the position. People don't know what to do with Quentin Johnson because he is six foot three and a half, 215 pounds, and he doesn't play with power at the catch point. Yep. He's he's fine. Like there there are times when he has gone up to get it in the air. Like th- that does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't exist in his tape. It's why I still like him. But when people look at his size, they go, "Oh, I, this dude's not nearly the catch point monster that I thought that he was going to be." But if you keep watching his tape, you go, "Wait a second, this six foot and three and a half, 210, 225 pound guy, he's turning on a dime like he's five ten, one ninety five." Yep. So he is just an enigma. He he is not your typical big wide receiver. And I think people are, they're just scared. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know what to do with him. I still think he's really talented. I'd, where did I, where did I have him? I submitted the final big board today, but we're going to, we're not going to get too far into that because we have a full big board episode that we're doing next week. 33rd overall for me. Uh, Where is it? Hold on. Yeah, Hold yeah, on he's folks. definitely a, a, a tricky guy to evaluate. Hold on, folks. We're getting to, you know, we're loading. 
The internet is loading. Where do I have them? We are elite podcasting. Where did you podcasting have them? You said elite. 30 33. Something? I have them at 27. Okay, so yeah, same bucket. Yeah, same bucket. Same bucket. My my goal in this draft class is not to provide you all with elite coverage, but to just make sure you all remember that Cedric Tillman is bigger than Quentin Johnston. I want nothing more from my coverage of this draft, but nothing less. <laughs> you should you should have put that on a shirt. If we were better podcasters, we would have we we would have made you a shirt and you would have just worn it on some episode. We'd have and a store just... at every mall in America with shirts. <laughs> if we actually like like what we're the chart of like the opposite where it's like good ideas and actual business logic or business acumen. We are a zero at business acumen with about a 100 ideas. Which podcaster does this represent? And it's like great ideas, yeah, implementation, yes. the Madden awareness meme. That's yeah. what it is. Yes, I couldn't think of it. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, all right. So my next one that I wanted to get to is this is a draft theory that I have. So, okay, this is a great piggyback, and I'm gonna tell the people that we did this on purpose, and this was totally planned, and this transition this was flawless. I don't think the league is super in on this wide receiver class, but I do think the league is super in on this tight end class. And I think you're going to see that itch for drafting a pass catcher be scratched with the tight ends here in this class. Mm, I think we're getting like that. I think we're getting three tight ends in the first round. And I think we're getting five total in the top 50. Let's go. I think Darnell Washington, Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid all go in the first round. I'm with you. And I think Luke Musgrave and Sam Laporta go in the top 50. And that's not, that's not even mentioning Tucker Craft, who to, I don't like Tucker Craft nearly as much as it seems like other people in the league do. Yeah. But if you might, you might be able to extend this bad boy. We might even get six in the top 60. I don't know if that's ever happened because five in the top 50 – has only happened once since the year 2000, and it was 2017. I actually had it up right here that I could have uh, read it off if I was a little bit more prepared. David or uh, OJ Howard, David Njoku, Evan Ingram, Gerald Everett, Adam Shaheen. Those five tight ends all went within the first 45 picks. It's pretty crazy. I think we're getting that again this year. I think we're getting five tight ends in the top 50. I won't disagree. The big three, I'm with you that at least top 40. Like you look at if Mayer and Kincaid don't go in the first round, I'd be really surprised. And then you look at Darnell Washington and he feels like if he doesn't go in the first round, he's the classic guy everybody in the top 40 wants. Raiders at 38, Panthers at 39, Seattle at 37. I don't know what we're doing. If Darnell Washington doesn't go in the first round, because same, if, I don't you, get it at all. If you plop Darnell Washington in different draft classes, maybe it's a different conversation. His scouting profile does not change, but with this class being more projections than it is polish, right? No matter who you're drafting, it feels like you are trying to project the best out of him. You didn't see a ton of it on the field. I'm going to bet on the alien wearing yeah. zero playing tight end for the best team in the country. Like I, that's the guy that I'm going to bet on. If if there are 31 players that go in this draft class 
ahead of Darnell Washington, I would be floored. So, yeah, I know I know the league likes Mayor as well. I th- I know the league likes Kincaid as well. So that's why I I gotta think it's three to go in round one. It should be. I mean, I have Washington 17th overall. He's just a good football player. Oh hell yeah, I have him 16. There we go. Wait, what we have you- not talked about our. This is the first time we've acknowledged each other's final boards. Oh wow. Wait, can I? I'm not. I don't want to mention my big board because I don't want to spoil the episode entirely. But is he your tight end one? No, Mayor is ahead of him. Oh, you have Mayor. I love Mayor. I've I've not stopped carrying that. Thread. Okay, okay, okay. All right, okay. God, I can't wait to get to the big board. Yeah, the episode big board next episode's week. gonna be a lot of fun. Oh a man, it's gonna be fun. fun. We're gonna get old takes exposed so hard, but we've <laughs> never missed the, on a prospect. So I was gonna say, so it doesn't matter ever. My final theory. <laughs> Not as deep as the other two, maybe. Uh-huh. I think I've, I've really started to brace myself for this. We have all have been very wrong about Bijan Robinson in the mock drafts. I don't even think we've been close, honestly. He's going so much earlier. And here's why it's very hard to p- predict. In the world where running back discourse is a nightmare, pretty much week in and week out. Right. It's very hard to execute a mock draft and take B. John Robinson in the top 20 and not also understand that that team has such a bigger need, especially before free agency, which is a majority of obviously this show. And then we get that little window after free agency where we start doing mocks at a higher rate. Uh, Trevor, he's just, he's too good. And I know how the NFL works and they are going to look at him and go, this pick is a hit. I'm going to take my gimme. I'm going to take, you're throwing me the layup and I'm going to take it. And I know his odds right now to go top 10 are still plus money, plus 120. So he's far from a lock in the top 10. I'm not buying the Falcons talk at eight because I think they have so many other pressing needs. Yeah. Wait, what's his over under? Did you say that? What is it? it to Bijan to go in the top 10 is plus 120. So Vegas thinks there is at least mm-hmm. a conversation to be had there. Mm-hmm. But I look at, Nine from Chicago to 21 with the Chargers and just think he has to go in that bucket. Like we have spent almost a year or at least it feels like a year's worth of him being in the Bengals 28, Bills 27, Cowboys 26 combo over and over and over again. I don't even think that's the stratosphere anymore for B. John Robinson. He's just too good in a class that has so much variance in it. It's there's not 10 players that everybody's stacking up and saying these are the blue chip guys. There's not. And he's one of the rare ones that you can. And what we've seen gone on with the Vikings and Dalvin Cook, the Chargers and Austin Eckler. I just won't be floored. I just think he's going a lot earlier than we've led on. I really do. I don't know. What the Bears plans are for running back, but. I don't think he gets talked about enough going to Chicago at nine. I like Khalil Herbert. Me too. Deontay Foreman is fine, but there's no needle mover there. There's no guy that you go, well, they can't take right, Bijan because. Right, right. Now, I'm not, and Bears fans are probably cussing up a storm listening to this podcast. I'm not saying that you should for sure draft Bijan Robinson over one of the offensive tackles yeah. that's going to be on the board at number nine, but I'm saying that. I, I do think that Bijan to Chicago is under talked about well, because here, it, it 
it yeah. should be on the table at least. Here's what you do if you're Chicago and you you really love the player and you want him, right? Mm-hmm. It, sometimes you get there. You, I think you can get out of this pick. I think a team would come up for a tackle. Sure. I really, really do. And then you could still take Bijan and you have even more draft capital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, again, we're caveat. I think both of us would take off a tackle if we're Chicago at nine right, over Bijan. You know, that's, that's, I'm just surprised that we haven't talked about that more. You know, it's funny. I was on a, um, I was on a Bucks podcast, the Cannon Fire podcast. Um, Rhett and Evan, they do a great job covering the team. And Bijan, Tampa is one of two top 30 visits that Bijan Robinson has taken so far. He's only taken two Tampa, Philly. Those are the two. And they asked me on the podcast, they were like, and they prefaced it by saying, you know, I know. You know, first round running backs, you know, it's not really something that you want to do. And I almost like stopped him. I was like, if Bijan's there at 19, we got to stop. Like, we got to yeah, stop. We got to stop this. I, I, I totally, I, you, this is a PFF pod, right? Like, like we, we, we get it. We get the positional value. We work for the company that's probably driven the narrative about you don't draft running backs in the first round. But like, even Sam Monson said this, I think earlier this week, like the narrative with Bijan has gone way too far. This guy is special. This guy is a difference maker. He's an offensive weapon. You, what you don't want is you don't want to invest premium draft picks into players that are just ball carriers that are probably that are probably going to be rotation players for you anyways, whether because they're limited in skill set or they're just not going to be a player who's going to be able to play for you on all three downs in all situations, no matter what. Bijan is a player who can play for you in any situation on any down in any circumstance. That's a player that you draft. That's an offensive weapon more than it is just the running back tag. So it was just funny because I agree with you completely about this draft theory. He's going earlier than we think. And I think the NFL realizes that too. You listen to a lot of the reports of these anonymous quotes from executives and, and people within the organization. And some of them don't really hold back. And some of them don't think this class is very good. You're going to tell me it's buns. You're telling me cheeks as Austin Gale would say, and has said before here on this show, you're going to tell me that one of the very few, if not only blue chip offensive prospect in this class is going to get out of the top 15 draft is about drafting good players. Now it's about drafting good players at the proper value, but it's also about drafting good players. And sometimes when a draft class just hands you the class, the way that you maybe didn't want, maybe you wish the talent was a lot better overall. You got to take what's in front of you. And I agree with you. Let's. So you, where did you say the round, the, the range starts for him? Eight. I said nine to twenty-one, but you can argue Atlanta at eight. It could start there as much as it shouldn't. Yeah, I'm tempted to say six, but I, I don't think Detroit does it. No, I would say I would say that it starts at eight. Uh, eight to twenty-one. Eight to twenty-one. Yeah, it's pretty fair. And nobody had visits with him because. He's one of the rare players that there's not really any box left to check. Like yeah, everybody be, loves Bijan. Like if you got Come to talk on. to him, the guy's like, trying to get some free steak. Come on. Yeah, it's true. You trying know what? It's free steak. You made a really good point about how free steak. <laughs> free steak is great, <laughs> especially if you're George Karloftis. This is six time steak. I think that it's kind of sad. People have been like, and I think it'll change when he goes to a team to that fan base. People aren't trying to enjoy Bijan Robinson as a player. 
Like he, there is no yeah shorter like adrenaline shot, maybe besides Bryce in this draft. I, I don't think so. You're I think just, if you're talking you're about just player, saying because it's an easy easy to talk about. Like he's just like ah, he's good. That's it. No, I think it's that people are so tied up in the running back discourse. Like I don't want my team to get dunked on to be the team that took the running back in the first round. That you forget when you turn on your TV on Sundays and watch your favorite team that you have one of the most exciting players in the league on the field for you right away. Like you, because he's a running back. Like every time the guy touches the ball with his hand, like has the ball, anything can happen. Yeah. It's special. And it's crazy to me because they don't want to be the, the fan base. That's like getting dunked on for taking a running back in round one because of the bullying that goes on with the running back position value. Yeah. It's, it's why like it, I think back, and maybe this is just because I was a kid, but the year Reggie Bush was in the draft, everybody was dreaming of the idea of getting Reggie Bush. And I understand, like, maybe not a great example because Reggie didn't turn out to be the superstar that everyone thought, die on the hill, that he would have been in this era. But it's oh, crazy yeah. to me how, how far we are away yeah. that you can't even enjoy a truly great player. Whatever team out there, whatever fan base drafts B. John Robinson, we're telling you right here, right now, enjoy it. He's going to be fun. He's going to make it. Get the jersey, have fun. Take him first overall in fantasy if that's what makes you happy. Get the throwback jersey of him. You know, like get like whatever. The Bucks cream. Yeah, whatever your team was wearing in the 90s, get that jersey, but B. John Robinson. Yeah. This is uh this is the last one because that was three from each of us. I know we got into a couple bonus. Of, of tangent ones. This one's a little bit of a bonus. I have a growing suspicion that Kalijah Kansi isn't going in the first round. And it would be sad for me because I have him graded as a pretty high player. Same. I think he is one of the better playmakers in this draft class. The size, of course, worries me, as it does everybody. But ah, the things that I've heard make it seem like the NFL is even lower. Like, the NFL okay. is like, yeah, we draft him in maybe the middle of day two. I'm like, man, middle of day two in this class for that player? It's got those kind of highs on tape? Outlier size-wise, for sure. Yeah, that's a mistake. But, yeah, I, I just I, – I feel as though – there's a growing reality that he might not be a round one player. I hope I'm wrong, but that is a draft theory that I have that he might not be a round one player. Wouldn't be shocked because that it goes back to the Zay Flowers combo, right? And it's different even for Cansey because Cansey for me is a top fifteen player in the draft. I love the guy. I don't have him top fifteen, but he's not that far behind. I mean, where it's this, the combo is this kind of player traditionally doesn't go in the first round of the draft. That's the conversation, right? You could love him. You could think he should. But there's also a part of this job where you do your research of does the NFL. Mm -hmm. And whenever we kind of get to the Cansey conversation, it feels like a lot of it is Philly at 30. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, well, then, you know, guess what, buddy? You're in round two of the draft. How How far would he fall if he made it to round two? Like, who are the teams in round two at the top? Imagine the Rams take him at 36. <laughs> I mean, that'd be fucking sweet. That'd be stupid, Connor. What do you mean? That'd be, <laughs> like, that'd be you sick. mean it'd be sweet. 
That'd be sick. Aaron Donald and Kalaja can't see. Every team in the NFL is just running power. <laughs> yeah, but it's cool. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, where would he go? Okay, so if he, I mean, do the Steelers just take him at 32? I don't think so. No? Dude, Pittsburgh product. I mean, it would be gnarly. Him and Kenny Pickett. Then they're gonna draft not... Jordan. Then they're gonna draft Jordan Addison at forty nine and just get the band back together. Jordan Addison falling to forty nine out of nowhere, like he just snuck that in. Well, my friend, if you looked at my big board, which we'll talk about early next week, yeah, I don't know. I I, I can't. <laughs> the Rams obviously, I think, would be. Come on, dude. It's awesome. I mean, the Seahawks could be a choice. They could Uh, be a choice. Uh, Absolutely. Raiders at 38. They need pass rush in the middle. I don't know. It doesn't necessarily help. I think Seahawks, I think that's it, Trevor. Like they lost Quentin Jefferson. They played him a ton last year. He he plays at what, 290? He is lighter, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's not good against the run at all. They don't care. 291. All right. I uh, I I misspelled Quinn Jefferson in Google, and it brought up Quinn's Quality Services, and it's a mm. it's a Brienne. picture. It's a picture of a what is this? this is gonna be four, bad. This is a four wheeler. What is this? It's like a used electronic truck. And then next to it's like a four wheeler. I don't know what we have here. Is that Quinn Jefferson's logo? Is it a four wheeler? Oh no, it's just Kalijah Cansey, actually. It was everybody's got a truck. logo. <laughs> Everyone's doing it. Oh yeah, man. So draft that's theories. What... We knew it would get off the rail. Yeah, we knew it would get off the rails. Let us know your draft theories. We want to read them in the comments. This is the time. We're a week out from the draft. Let us know what you think is going to happen. Something that not a lot of people are talking about, or maybe it is something that people are talking about that you want to go against, that you absolutely agree with, whatever it is. We want to read all of y'all's comments on what you think is going to happen on round one or even round two of draft night how you guys think the nfl draft is gonna go best way you can do that is, of course on the youtube uh on our youtube channel in the comment section youtube.com backslash at nfl stock exchange if you guys are audio only you can hit us up on twitter at tim betray at connor j rogers no longer have the blue check so you know who knows yeah they they came swipe that thing could could be wild wild west you might be you know tweeting it the not the real me i don't know a lot of imposters out there i guess but um you could also hit us up on instagram as well same handles same no verification wait you are you verified are you verified on instagram on instagram yeah i know all right so my trash bum ass doesn't have verification but it took a long time like a really long time you are gonna see that sweet sweet check mark on his instagram profile account (laughs) um we are also running a promo over at pff.com if you guys don't have a pff subscription therefore don't have the pff draft guide you can do so right now for 40 percent off if you use promo code draft 40 it's all caps draft and then four zero that's going to get you 40 percent off a pff subscription it'll of course allow you to get the draft guide it'll get you a lot of the lock content that'll probably be the analysis after the draft on what we think each player is going to fit with the team where, where they fit in the scheme how we give out the draft grades for all the different team all that good stuff and then of course if you have a year-long pff subscription 
then you get all that stuff until next year's draft as well. So get it 40, 40% off. It's a great deal. Draft 40. It's the best way to do that. Connor, you got anything else before we get out of here? No, I think that's a great deal. I mean, you get all the sweet numbers and stats that we like to use in our evaluations as well as the content. I think that wraps it up. I know people are probably wondering what does our week look like next week? Probably. You know, know, I'm wondering that too. (laughs) Same (laughs) a little bit. So, uh, You'll probably get more information on that if you listen to Monday's show, to be honest with you. So we'll we'll let you know. I mean, we do know we have a ton of stuff coming your way. Like, no fear on that. This show is going to be rolling. We'll have a final mock draft. We will have a big board show. Trevor and I actually put our pea brains together and came up with a plan for draft weekend. Yes, um, we did. You, so can, there, you, yeah. you, can, you can talk about that if you want. So I'm making sure I'm remembering it right. We will have a recap show of yes. night one, yes. when you all wake up from your deep slumbers yes. on day two, Friday of the draft. Yeah. Or, Friday, I mean, or you can stay up, right? Well, yeah, I think. Depends on if Ryan's going to stay up with that's us. That's a pretty good point. Is Ryan uh, a true grinder? That's well, the that's a no, lot are, to put we, on. No, we, are, we already know he is. I'm just, but kidding. I'm just kidding, Ryan. Ryan's you, you have a night one recap. Yep. Right. And Trevor and I, whenever we're done at our day jobs mm-hmm. we're not like doing it in the morning we are staying up and recapping together night one of the draft so a round one recap and then after saturday we will record a full draft recap yeah. with grades yes yes reaction grades for each team so you yep. will get your fix after night one and then your full fix after the third day of the draft not something in between after day two we want to kind of bundle day two and three together for a full look of the draft class because here's the reality after night one you freaking sleep like after night two you sleep three hours then you blink and everyone's back on the clock for day three it would have no shelf life for all of that analysis we're going to package all that analysis into that episode's going to be a monster like i don't know how long it's going to be but recapping that much stuff and then We'll keep it rolling from there, but that's that's a lot coming your way during draft week from us. Yep. So in that time, you did a great job allowing me to pull up the schedule because I couldn't find it. Monday, final big board episode. So Connor and I are going to go over our final big boards on Monday. That's going to be a, the episode that we have on Monday. Wednesday, we're leaving it open, which is kind of like a what we're hearing in episode. Yeah. So you know, we're getting a cut where it's going to be forty eight hours from draft night. It's going to be kind of maybe similar to this process pro, podcast episode where we're just talking about the things that everybody's talking about that we want to weigh in on. So that'll be fun. And then we have our final mock draft. We're going to record it late on Wednesday, but then you guys are going to get it on Thursday. So you guys are going to be able to hear our final predictive, what we think is mm-hmm. going to happen in mock draft for Thursday. And then like and we'll work mentioned. together on that. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. We, we usually will. go like back and forth, pick by pick. I think that'll be us just making each pick together. Yep. We'll tell you what we think is going to happen in the draft. And then uh, like, he, like, like Connor said, we'll have a night one recap and then we'll have grades for all 32 NFL teams on the Sunday episode. <laughs> lot going on over the next 10 days this is the final stretch but this is the most fun we not only have our final predictions our final rankings but also get to see what is going to happen in the 2023 nfl draft i am trevor sikuma that is connor rogers thank you guys so much for listening to the nfl stock exchange podcast see you next time